Hello, friends, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Edgefield Church. Uh, what are we calling this thing? Compelling Community Podcast, I suppose. We are excited to bring to you conversations that uh, Jonathan Worsley and myself are having on the regular about what a healthy church looks like and how we can aim our church at a lifestyle that's going to bring glory to God. So uh, first things first, uh, this is Matt McCullough. I get the pleasure of serving as pastor here at Edgefield Church, and I'm joined by one of my fellow pastors, Jonathan Worsley. Jonathan, you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. We uh, we have hopefully already communicated to all of you about what we're doing here, but just for the sake of clarity, I want to take a minute here and remind you why we are coming to you in this format. We are, as as of this taping, just a couple of weeks into a beautiful uh, new season of life for Edgefield Church, uh, in, in which Edgefield Baptist Church and Trinity Church have come together as one congregation and are facing a future that we are just so, so excited about and, and trusting the Lord with. And as we, as we enter into this future, we thought it'd be helpful to spend some concentrated time focusing on what the Bible teaches us a local church should look like to help build our unity around that vision and to help us all understand what we should pray for and what we can do to build that community together. And because our church is so deeply affected right now by the coronavirus pandemic, we're not able to do any Sunday school classes like we like to do. We can't do hardly anything together in person. We thought it might be helpful to do a church-wide book study in which we never actually meet to talk about it, but still offer some resources to feed into conversations we hope you will be having. Um, So we decided let's take one of our favorite books uh, about the local church. Let's put it into your hands or into your inboxes. And then let's stage a conversation about it each week, chapter by chapter, that we hope will both help you understand the book better, but also inspire the conversations you're having with your friends. So we've chosen Compelling Community. Uh, When we got to talking about what we would do with this, we realize both of us see this book as one of our favorites uh, for what a healthy local church looks like. Jonathan, you want to, as quickly and concisely as you can, sum up why this book is a good fit for what we're doing here. Yeah, I mean, it's one of my absolute favorite books. It's written by um, two guys that I, I used to work alongside, of, effectively my, my bosses. And um, it's, it's a wonderful book, which I saw uh, in action. And I think it's a, it's a great book in this particular season in our church's life. We're kind of, I guess, rethinking a little bit about, you know, who we are, what we're about. And honestly, brother, I think it's just a really good reminder for you and me in this season. What, what is success going to be uh, for us? Um, I think it's very easy in this day and age to uh, look for visible results, mm-hmm. to look out and to see how many people are there on Sunday, or we want to kind of maybe even see a, a, a beautiful building, beautiful architecture, but that's not what church is ultimately about. And the book is a wonderful uh, reminder of that. You know, I love the book because it's a beautiful vision of what the Bible sets out church to be, mm-hmm. uh, a place where people display the gospel in their lives uh, with one another. And Actually, I really want that. Mm-hmm. Perhaps my fleshy side wants to see more and more people in the building, and, and obviously that's not wrong. But actually, uh, the spirit within me, uh, he who works within me, wants to see the gospel at work. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a quality of life book, not just the quantity of yeah. us who, who may be here, but what's the quality of our life together? So it's also a book about community. That's right there in the title. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants community. 
That's not something, not something unique to our church. Pretty much any church's website that you go to is going to say, we have community, or we're building community together, and and so we're in good company here. And I think it's a basic human desire. It's not just a Christian thing. Community is something everybody wants. But what we want most is to build a community that depends on and tells the truth about God's power, to your point here. Uh, not all community does that. You can have a thriving community with a lot of close relationships that says nothing about him. This book helps us understand like, who he is through the kind of community we build with one another. Uh, maybe to push that one layer further, I, I think it'd be helpful for us to talk out one of the key uh, uh, frameworks that they give us in the first chapter, um, which, will, which will have a huge effect on the rest of the book. They talk about two different kinds of community, gospel plus community. Mm-hmm. So that's not the gospel plus community, but a gospel plus community. Uh, and then a gospel-revealing community. Gospel-plus cl- community on one hand, that's not what we want. And gospel-revealing community on the other hand, that, that is what we want. So I thought it would be helpful if we just talk real quickly, define what each of these things are. So maybe you take a stab first at gospel-plus community. What is it? Yeah, I mean, gospel-plus is kind of what it, what it says. It's the gospel and something else. Um, so a very basic definition, it would be people united around something else other than the gospel. Yeah. But I guess particularly in this book, we're thinking about Christians united around something else but the gospel. Um, I think in the first chapter, um, they speak about um, people who perhaps wear Prada or people who like NASCAR. And um, yeah, so it just, just something else that Christians can, can unite uh, unite around other than the gospel I, I, I think and it's not that we are against those type of things um, but we, we don't want to be centered around yeah. something that's not the gospel yep 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 so in a gospel plus community you've got Jesus yeah you do have the gospel there and he's in common but the real glue is something else maybe it's the fact that you know, you've got you're all parenting toddlers and you can relate to what that struggle is or you're all in college, or you're in some sort of place in life that that re- leads to a lot of shared affinities or associations that that help you to connect with each other in a quick in a quick and easy way, or or the same hobbies, or love the same music, something like that. But if you pull Jesus out of a gospel plus community, the community's still there. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really striking that they say from the off is that you, in a sense, don't need God to create community. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was just a really great reminder. Again, it, it really it really struck me. Um, I've been just reading recently and um, just thinking about the, the fact that, that people can come together over all kinds of things and, and, and things that are not good at all. You know, we see that in, in, in Scripture, um, just recently reading about, um, in the book of Joshua, different tribes coming together to work against the Israelites uh, we, we see it in Reformation history, people who are very different, but they're uniting together against Christians. And um, yeah, the, it's just very easy, I think, for, for people to come and, and unite around something else but the gospel, even something that's evil. Mm-hmm. We see that even t- in today's mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. In gospel-revealing community, things are different. Yeah, uh, talk to me about that. You may have all sorts of things in common, but the core the real glue is who Jesus is to you. Here's how they describe it. This is on page 22 of Compelling Community. 
In gospel-revealing community, they write, many relationships would never exist but for the truth and power of the gospel. It might be because of the depth of care for each other. In other words, a relationship where it's just so costly to be in this relationship. Like No one would pay, would pay that cost if, if not for Jesus driving them to it. Or because two people in the relationship have little in common but Christ. Like, what would they talk about? They don't have the same hobbies. They don't follow the same sports teams. They certainly don't have the same socioeconomic income bracket. They, there's nothing there, yeah. it seems like, to the eyes of the world. But they have Jesus in common, so they, it works. A gospel-revealing community is one where you just scratch your head over it unless God really is at work among them. And that's our target. That's what the church is for. Yeah, and it's what the church is for, for the people of God. But also, I want to say, for non-Christians too, there is something that is just so striking to the non-Christian when they come in and they see these people who would not naturally spend time with one another, and yet they are in deep relationship with mm-hmm. each other, and that reveals uh, the gospel. Yeah. I, I think it's important to say... Uh, just just for the sake of our friends listening to this, giving them a chance to peer behind the curtain at the kind of pastoral conversations we have and the ways that we uh, try to hold each other accountable and, and, and pray together for uh, a healthy, God-honoring church culture, I think it's important to say why it is we'd be attracted to Gospel Plus community. I, I, mean, I certainly know that I am. Um, I'll just start, and I'll throw it to you, see what you, you would say about this. I, I see in my own heart this... I recognize that we have to have community. If we don't, if people don't feel connected to one another, they won't come. They won't stay if they do come. Um, No church can thrive apart from that. So it's crucial. And it's just natural to want to do everything you can to make sure people feel connected since you know it's so, so important. It's natural to feel this craving to kind of create a habitat in which this endangered species can thrive, in which you know you're controlling all the factors so you, 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 can, you can build it, you can measure how it's going, and then you can repeat it like a scientific experiment almost. In me, it's about control. <laughs> I, I want to make sure it's happening. So I'm looking for things I know I can, I, can, I can manipulate. And when it comes to affinity, you can. You group people together with those who are just like them. Community is probably going to happen there. Uh, and I, 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 have, I have a hard time with the patience that has to come along with with waiting on God to do something you couldn't do. Where do you see yourself drawn to it? Yeah, I think it's definitely in terms of the patience for me. Um, you want something, you want to see something happen, and you want to something to s- to happen quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the ways in which you can kind of speed it up in a sense by just drawing people together around similar hobbies, life stage. Um, but I don't think that's the most helpful long term yeah it takes time to build a gospel centered community and sometimes in my selfishness i live in an instantaneous world i want to see that right now um i i I, i'm thinking back to my time in london when we started with a very very small congregation and that was what a lot of people were telling me I'd have hmm. London church planters c- coming in and saying, well, you know, what's your demographics? What's your area like? Oh, you and Sarah, you really fit the, the area. I think you'll really, really thrive here. Um, but actually, what was built in God's kindness over time was a community where people were really different, but hmm. they had the gospel in common. And that was actually far more beautiful. So you had people like Dr. Jonathan Shepard, 
who was um yeah an incredibly bright and 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 capable guy who had propelled himself up the career ladder um was skilled in in many different areas and then you had Bogomil Kostov who was a taxi driver from Bulgaria and you looked at those guys and they were just so different but they had the gospel in common and when people came and and they saw Bogomil and Dr. Jonathan Shepard hanging out and loving on each other that is what I think drew people to the gospel and encouraged other Christians as well that's beautiful brother and I I think it's an opportunity God has put in front of us during this season of our merger uh, because because our two churches uh, bring together people who who are like one another in some ways, but not like one another in a lot of other ways. And one of my favorite things about Edgefield Baptist Church and getting to know it over the years is the age diversity they've always had at every stage in life. And one of the things Trinity friends have always prayed for and talked about is our desire to see that, to have that in our own church and, and to be able to both benefit from it and then bring glory to God through it. And I think that's put out here in front of us. I think we do need to say um, here as we, as we wrap up this particular conversation, I think we need to say that we're not against friendships happening amongst people who are a lot alike. I mean, that's a gift from God. And yeah. in many ways, we need that. We do need some folks who can just immediately empathize with what we're going through. And and, and we, by all means, encourage you to, to, to build those kind of friendships amongst yourselves. What we really hope you're taking from this, though, is that as in our leadership and in what we're going to ask of you in your prayer life— we're just going to consciously not build around those kinds of affinities. We're just going to trust they happen on their own. They don't need any help. I mean, you're going to find your way to people who are a lot like you. What we're going to build around are the things that God has called us to, that he promises to bless, and that wouldn't work if he didn't bless them. We're going to build around the very simple building blocks given to us in the scriptures and, and, and then see him work. And if he doesn't, we'll fail. And if he does, we'll thrive. And we trust him to help us to thrive amen amen and guys we know we've been talking at a kind of abstract level that's because this is the first chapter and it's a little bit abstract from here on out every other chapter is going to be taking us deeper into into this picture laying out all the different building blocks that god has called us to prioritize in in building a church and we are excited to have you along uh, on this journey we are looking forward to these conversations and we hope they'll be a blessing to you guys hope to see you guys on sunday god be with you 